Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fitness Candor Podcast. I am i can't remember which episode this is. I think it might be 52. Don't quote me on that, but it might be 52. So today I'm joined by Matt Camargo, and he is out of Newport Mesa, California. Um, you've heard plenty of plenty of people from, from this location. Uh, he's with Pro Sports. So he is, he's going to, just like the rest of the people from Pro, pro Sports, he's going to bring uh, a ton of knowledge to the table on how he trains athletes and the general public and uh, why their philosophy remains to be so strong. So Matt, thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. So fill in some blanks for us. Give us a little, uh, a little bit of your background and how you built your philosophy. Okay. Well, I probably got started like how the majority of people in our field got, I played heavily uh, into sports year round at a young age, you know, baseball, basketball, um, all the way up until, you know, where I'm at now, you know, for recreational purposes. And thinking back to it, it wasn't until the sixth grade, that's where my dad introduced me to what strength and muscle mass was. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, I remember one day at school, after school, I asked him, how can I get stronger? Something along the lines. I might have said something else. And he said, do push-ups. And at that time, my push-up form wasn't very good. And then he showed me how to do it. And then I remember from that day on to like eighth grade, no joke, every night, I would do push-ups every night. So failure, you know, break it up. Just and overtraining just those really delts. Into it. <laughs> yeah, just overtraining, you know, the interior delts, tech majors, you know. It's funny looking back at it now, but I guess that's really where it really started, where I actually really liked kind of like that pain threshold that you reach, and I didn't mind it. Um, and then going through middle school, high school, and then the travel teams for baseball, um, I loved swinging the baseball bat. You know, for my size, I had a lot of power, so I, I loved that feeling of hitting the ball off the bat. And for just fun, I would go outside and I would swing with a donut on the bat just because I felt so strong with that. So I kind of felt like a muscle man out there. Um, so then going from there, uh, after leaving high school, I went to Vanguard University where I got my degree in kinesiology with the emphasis in pre-health, which originally I wanted to do physical therapy, but then working as a PTA and an interning, I just didn't really feel that was giving me what I really wanted in life. So that's when I came across strength conditioning, looking online, spoke to a professor that was involved in that field. And, you know, I came to his office. I was like, hey, what do I need to do? This is X, Y, and Z, what I feel I need to do, but I don't know if that's the right route. He told me the certifications, the degree I would need to do in order to work with collegiate and high-level athletes. So did my research, figured out which schools I would want to apply to, which ones were probably the best. And I found that Cal State Fullerton was one of the best programs for strength and strength performance. Applied, got in. That's where I completed my master's there. And during that same time, in the beginning of that, I volunteered slash interned in the weight room 
with the head and assistant straight coach was it a great opportunity that was really the, like the first exposure to sports performance training in large group setting which is a tad overwhelming at times just because I was not used to that kind of like up and beat you know speed of the weight room teams coming in and out monitoring you know x amount of athletes there you got soccer you got baseball but the coaches there were really helpful and really breaking it down from the program design principles, you know, exercise selection, weight room management, all the important things that, you know, is vital for any setting. And then met a professor there who actually taught the, my employer now, Chase Cameron. He referred me over there for an internship, which I wanted to get involved in the private training sector just for exposure and actually turned out to be a great thing. So I interned there for about off and on for a year I stuck around just helping out, coaching when I could. Even after the internship, I just felt like I needed to keep going. And, you know, coaches started to leave, getting more opportunity. And then at some point, they, you know, trusted me. They hired me. And that's where I'm at now with ProSport as a performance coach. That's awesome. So let's backtrack a little bit because I'm not very familiar with um, the what pre-health means in terms of a degree. Can you dive into that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So pre-health, all it is is pre-physical therapy, basically. So that's just geared for getting into PT school, so physical therapy school, which is now a doctorate of physical therapy. Before, it was just, a, I think, a master of physical therapy. I don't remember the exact timeline when they changed to doctorate. But at the time, when I was looking at kinesiology, you know, looking at you know, jobs you can get with a kinesiology degree and, you know, physical therapy being one of the top ones in terms of, like, uh, income. Um but yeah, it's so really just, you take probably a little bit more difficult science classes in terms of like, you know, I took physics, physics one and two, neuroscience, human phys, um, chemistry, all those fun classes. And then looking back at it now, especially at the route that I took and where I'm at currently, you know, I could have had a little more enjoyable time class-wise uh, just doing exercise science. But, you know, I've learned a lot from those classes, taught me a lot of patience and, uh, not to get frustrated at the computer screen while doing chemistry online. Right. <laughs> Spent a lot of hours doing that, but, you know, yeah. it's all worth it. I think the PT field is one of those things that if you're going into exercise science, the background, that's one of the first things you look at. I mean, and that kind of branches off. There's right. a lot of different avenues to go. But I think that uh, the right. master's to PhD, that whole, I want to say that's only like 14 to 15 years old or something like that. I think they changed. No, that. yeah, you're right. It's yeah, not it's, too new. Yeah. No, it's not. I th I feel like it was my freshman or sophomore year in college, because that's about when I started to um, to look into different routes. So, so you mentioned Chase Cameron, who was just on the podcast. Is he one of the guys who helped you, kind of bridge your philosophy into what you're doing now, or who are some of those people who helped you do that? Oh yeah, definitely. He is definitely one of the people that you know I credit all my my understanding and my development and growth, you know, him and TJ Nestler, which he also had yeah. you know, great mentors, great awesome friends guys. and awesome guys, super motivated. And they actually care about your growth. You know, I think you said it on uh, one of their podcasts that a lot of times when you get interns or newcomers, sometimes it's kind of the tendency to kind of shun them, not really want to help them because you feel threatened or for whatever reason. But from day one, both those guys have been, super helpful whenever I needed, you know, any help, they listen, you know, they're just great individuals for this field. And, you know, I'm thankful and blessed that I have them to go to when I can. Yeah. Those guys are, 
I mean, they're top notch. And that's who I was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, for those of you who don't know, which I'll probably link back to their their podcast too, because it's it's kind of cool to see the progression um, from PJ to Chase and to you. And I'm sure, you know, I'm probably going to end up interviewing. I might as well just get like a big round table <laughs> and have everybody sit down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you should, you should get some nice round table with all of us there. No, but that's good though, because that means, you know, the place is producing quality people. You know, so that, I mean, yeah, no, definitely, absolutely, right. So when you and I first spoke, we talked about um, understanding a person's why. You know, why, why, why they are training. So your why is to understand what their why is. What does that exactly look like, and what's that process look like to you? Well, first off, you know, you want to, you know, because I was saying knowing their why, and the process of going about that is kind of, you know, what we learn in school or we see online is the needs analysis. So try to get to know as much as you can about them, you know, pre-existing injuries, what sport they played, how they train currently, you know, as much information that you can gather so you can formulate the best program to reach them to their end goal. And going about that, understanding their why, you know, just really helping them understand the whole big picture. It's really helpful to just understanding that different factors will play into that. What do I mean that by, by that? is that life always wins. You know, as much as you have a detailed plan yeah, with very set goals, that, you know, life's going to win. You know, whether you're married, you have a relationship, get sick, you know, work gets busy. You know, not a lot of us can just train and that's it. You know, a lot of us have other jobs, have other priorities to work on. So something I saw on, a, uh, actually today, is about successful people versus unsuccessful people. And basically, you know, successful people read daily, embrace change. They never stop learning, have a sense of gratitude. They never complain. And then one of the big things is they set goals as well as develop them. So not just having goals, but having what, uh, you know, PJ actually said is process goals. So what little goals can you do today, tomorrow, next week in order to get to the big goal, which is uh, the big picture? Which that makes total sense, right? And you kind of had you build around that too. So the people that are around, right? The people around you, like you know the guys and, and the girls that you're working with, those are some of the people that help you build that why for yourself. Um, exactly. Another, another thing that we went into and we talked about that I thought was really unique and I kind of highlighted for myself is that you talked about how to every single person, every rep has a purpose. So what does that mean exactly? So. I kind of formulated the last, you know, several years, you know, as I kept growing in this field and, you know, getting surrounded by great coaches and mentors is that, you know, every rep has a purpose. And when we do those reps, we got to treat it with a purpose and the attempt to master it. And don't let the exercise or set master you. So meaning there's a reason why I said eight reps, 10 reps, 20 reps, or whatever may be the volume of that training may be. It's not so that you can skip reps one to three, you know, go half-assed at it, but right. understanding that the muscles for each rep needs to be firing properly and understand in the positions you're trying to get in, that's going to help optimize that exercise and then, you know, lead on to optimizing your performance. What does that look like mentally? Because I think there's a bigger bigger mental aspect to that than – Right. Then the people think the people think about what's your coaching look like when you're telling somebody that. So, well, first I'll go with this. I mean, 
depending on the training goal or what the, the exercise. So say if you're training for a velocity-based exercise or speed training, if the goal is to be fast off that ground, then, I mean, if the experience you have, you understand what that looks like. Or if it's a strength exercise, power, you know, you're training for hypertrophy or endurance, then really just comes from you understanding the coach, what they're trying to get out, what adaptation they're trying to get out of that exercise or that goal for that phase or whatever it may be. And if they look at like they're in a controlled manner throughout the whole range of motion and you feel that they fully understand what's going on and their movement patterns look great at all ends, beginning and end, then you as a coach can properly progress them, you know, accordingly. And that's where progressive overload comes into play. And the athletes feel they're at a safer rate of progressing. And then their effort's going to arise with that as well, which is, you know, the more effort you can get out of an athlete, individual, you know, most, most bang for your buck you get. Yeah, and once they understand what you're looking for, it makes your job probably a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. You know, gets rid of the, the confusion or, you know, you probably could attest to this too, is that a lot of people want to put on more weight or they want to do more, but they don't understand that less is more in a lot of cases. Yeah, and almost and almost all of them, I would th- I would say. I mean, the whole oh yeah, yeah. and and it's gonna and it's gonna vary day by day, which is something that you went you kind of touched on earlier too, is understanding their why and where they're coming from, because every day is gonna look a little different than the day before or the workout before, and they might fail at something that mm-hmm. they did before, you know, the workout before very easily, and they might they might mm-hmm. come in and not have like the, you know the most optimal workout they've ever had. So, I think that kind of leads us into right. something else that you really stressed. Um, uh, in our previous conversation, the exercise selection and why that's so important in, in building uh, more of the kind of that, that dictation that you were talking about. You let the exercises right. kind of do, yeah. do, do some of the dictating. Yes. So a lot of times uh, coaches or trainers, you know, they kind of get stuck or focused on just a certain set of exercises and they stay with them. And, you know, a quality coach or trainer is that I feel is one that could be adaptable on the fly, you know, Every day we got to make adjustments daily because injuries come and go. You might have a perfect program, your training day for your athlete or client, and they come in and say, oh, over the weekend I kind of hurt my knee. So there goes a lot of your lower body movements that you want to introduce to them. So you have to think of ways of still trying to train the quads and glutes in a different way but in a safer way. So understanding that, you know, if you want them to back squat, and they can't back squat for whatever reason, you know, low back injuries, or they just don't want to do it. You have to understand that if their goal is just to get stronger lower body, then there's a lot of regressions and exercise variations that are way more beneficial and probably not a waste of your time. And it's just going to help them get to their goal even quicker. And sometimes it's just, it's easy to get stuck in the mindset of just using the same one and not really utilizing the variation to regress or progress when needed. And sometimes that's where, you know, coaches can get stuck by the paralysis by analysis effect, you know, right. thinking too hard with just the, yeah, just, oh, I got to do back squat, deadlift, uh, bench, you know, all the main lifts, but, you know, just take it step by step, slow, you know, don't think so far ahead and just break it down and try to adjust on the fly and just be ready to be adaptable. And not only that is build in the, the variation along the way, you know, if that person has those goals of uh, explosive power, I mean, God, there's 
hundreds of ways to do that, right? So if you're dealing with just something simple as, as, a, as a barbell back squat, well, there's the progression of the squat, you know, learning how to get into that perfect squat position, then how to front squat and then back squat and then maybe front or excuse me for uh, back squat then front squat and the progression just keep going and going and going and then you're manipulating how fast the person's going and you know obviously the load that makes a big difference too but uh, building that right, in definitely. along the way it kind of breaks up your program your your uh, part in the the exercise also yeah definitely and it helps your job to be i mean a little easier because I mean, I'm sure you and I could probably do the same exercise for the rest of our life, but a lot yeah, of people, definitely. they like variety. Yeah. And with that, they don't understand of the variations with that. And it makes it more enjoyable if you're altering, you know, alternating your exercises, you know, each phase, you know, or every week, whatever you're doing, if it's an undulating type program. Um, and a lot of times, you know, once you show them, okay, I'm going to have you do this exercise, say for like a back squat, you have a gentleman, you know, big ego, you know, they're doing it right all along, and it's not actually been performed right. You teach them the goblet squat. You know, you probably hate it at first, but after a while, you know what? My back's been feeling a lot better. You know, I love this exercise. So a lot of times, you just got to get them to shift your thinking a little bit, and then they'll go back to, oh, this guy's legit. You know, I trust them again. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You, it's like they I, forgot, I forgot what happened from your first meeting, and <laughs> And then they just, oh, you're right. I do trust you. Yeah, because the buy-in, and I've talked a lot about buy-in uh, on the program with a lot of different people, but the buy-in doesn't happen in the first handful of, of workout. It, it's over time, just like the program. I mean, it might not happen exactly. for some people three months in when they finally start seeing um, you know, a physical change. That might be their buy-in. For some people, it might be that one, one or two weeks just because they haven't moved or done anything. And now they feel better right. overall. That could create the buy-in. Of course, there's you know the personal relationships and everything else that go into that too. But um, what are some of the ways that you create buy-in with with your people that you work with? So along the lines of you know trying to get to know them on a deeper level as much as they'll allow it, is I try to when it's appropriate relate to them you know in the struggles that I've seen of not just myself but you know people from the past, whether it's other clients, athletes, or people that I've met along the way. And I feel one of the strongest ways you can connect with someone is, you know, first be a great active listener and then kind of share of your own failures as well. And then they see, oh, he's not just this, you know, classic uh, coach trainer guy who has it all together, but he's also failed in this area. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want to talk about it, but failure is really what you know, makes a, makes a break a person. You can, Either stay where you're at, you know, a roadblock comes your way, or you can find different avenues of going around it or even through it. You know, that's what builds perseverance. And, you know, it's one of the things that I admire from our athletes that we have is that for the ones that have been with us is a lot of them have a pretty good amount of perseverance. You know, they've been with us for a while. You know, all the transitions our facilities have gone through and the change of coaching and philosophy. And the buy-in is great where we're at. You know, it, it took a little while. But once they saw results and they saw how much, you know, our coaching staff cared, you know, it just really set that great atmosphere where we're at. And now, you know, we're just keep on climbing up that hill. It's a great feeling. Yeah, it is. And I think uh, something else that really sticks out is, um, I mean, you're not the first person that, to talk to about, you know, sharing your sharing the struggles. Because every I think every person, 
it's a different standpoint when you're coming from like a weight loss perspective or something like that where you may not quite know everything that person's mentally dealing with because I think it's more of a mental game than anything. But if you can share like a, a physical struggle, that, I mean, that goes along. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what that athlete's or that person's going through. You know, like I wouldn't have somebody exactly. do something that I wouldn't do or haven't done myself. You know, that, that being exactly. really uncomfortable in a certain position. Of, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I know this sucks, but you're going to get through it. You're going to come out on the other end. <laughs> no, exactly. And sometimes, you know, dealing, you know, with a, somebody that wants to lose a lot of weight, fat, weight, whatever it may be, is you can tell them all the science, the anatomy, you know, of how to do it and why it's important they should be able right, to wait. Right. But, you know, they've been hearing they've been hearing that their whole life. They've been, they read about it. You know, they're already self uh, insecure about it. So a way to connect with them is to not give them the whole spiel, but really connect with them. And then, you know, just going back to what I said is really know them on a deeper level, share of your struggles, even though, like you said, it wouldn't be exactly the same, but just showing that you're a real general person, you know, just creates that great buy-in and, you know, just leads to great possibilities and that trust. Awesome. Yeah. And just be honest too. I and mean, I've told people before that I, I have, especially the, the, you know, the fat loss clients in particular, like, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have no idea what, what's going on up here, but, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, I know what it's going to take to get you there. But, you know, so, I mean, it, and everybody's going to react to that a lot differently, but, um, I think for the most part, just being genuine, being a genuine person. And if you, if, if a person comes to you and you don't know the answer, just being able to tell them that I don't know that, but I can definitely get back to you. Cause it's not like we don't have the resources, you know, if you, exactly. I mean, if a person's no, out there looking for a exactly. strength coach or a trainer and they do meet somebody who has all the answers right off the bat and they're, they're afraid to say, I can go, I can go research that for you and let you know ASAP, then you might want to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right, Eric. I mean, another great quality for coaches to understand their limits you know somebody asks you a question that's not your forte you know don't do them a disservice and give them a maybe answer that you don't really know you know like i said resources refer them to people you know we use online is such a great tool these days you can show them videos you can look up people on social media you know and that's where another way they can buy in is even if you don't know the answer you genuinely care not to give them misguided information but right. enough to do the research on your outside time to lead them to where they want to get you know and then you just build that great relationship with you know, other people it's just you know it's a perfect proactive environment at that point yeah you got to have you got to use other people in your toolbox like i i know somebody who uh well, a couple of people on the outside where i train who deal stri- strictly with uh, powerlifting. I don't know anything about the powerlifting world. I know there's a lot of super heavy weight involved and everybody has to have a beard yeah. and you have to wear uh, knee straps. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that I know. You got to grunt really loud too. And you got to grunt really loud and drop weight and sniff stuff yep. before you lift. But uh, <laughs> but look, like I, I don't know anything about that, but I've had people come to me and say, hey, I want to start this kind of program. And I'm just like, look, I, I could bullshit you and just take your money and we could go through the motions, but you're not going to make any progress. Or I can you know, give you a legit service and refer you to somebody I know who is like a world record holder and would love to work with you. And then, you know, in exactly. who knows, three, three months, six months, nine months, it could be 10 years down the road. That one person um, has a friend that says, Hey, I just want to go through a general workout program. Do you know anybody? And sure enough, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I know Matt or I know Eric or whoever it is. So just building that genuine connection makes such a big difference. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of young trainers and young coaches that want to get into field is they try to know as much as they can. Or they think they do. Yeah, or they think they do, which is, you know, starting their path to their demise, you know? Yeah. And humility is one of the big things that, you know, sets apart like a great coach, young coach, you know, becoming an even better coach, you know, or the ones that just plateau and they don't grow and can't get clients or their athletes are leaving them athletes aren't getting results and they just find somebody else you know so it just really helps for a coach to understand you know what it means to just be a human you know yeah connect with them well i think you i think you guys are in a really unique position at uh, pro sports because you have those people right there in front of you who who do those different kind of things with different athletes and different people so if you have a question it's just like you turn around and tap on chase's uh, shoulder and be like, Hey, I got a question about this. Or, then, or he taps, you know, PJs and then it goes, how far, how right. far that bracket goes, I'm sure we'll find out. But, um, but there really, there's no excuse now with, no, there's just, not. there's zero, zero excuse to not, to not have a, a network of people outside of yourself. So that's a really good point. Um, yeah. What, what else do you have working on over there? Well, right now, I mean, we're through a lot of changes and, you know, changes, you know, productive changes so a lot of tasks are getting put on a lot of us coaches on between both facilities and a lot of us have to step up and which is you know great that's what we want i mean all of us are motivated we're on the the same vision in mind and one of the big things that you know myself and others we're all getting ready for is uh, our summer internship coming up in i think june and it's a big one you know we get kids from all over the states from different backgrounds you know past collegiate athletes uh ats pts personal trainers or people just want to learn about strength conditioning and it's a big one. It's probably the most hands-on internship that I've seen and been a part of, you know, we really break it down from the smallest unit of information and try to get them to where we're at because their goal, our goal is to get them to coach classes. You know, I've been fortunate that I had, you know, mentors of mine when I started is they took me <laughs> from what I knew was just not very much and it got me to where I'm at now. And it's just great seeing that it happened for myself, and I just want to pass on information as well. And just like all all of us coaches do at that facility, is you know we we get pumped when we see these young kids get excited, and you know so that's just a lot of a lot of work to prep, and it's one of our busiest times as well. You know we get kids coming back from college, so our college program comes in. We got morning classes, you know, so it's just a, it's a busy day basically from you know you can go from six to eight at night or eight to eight. And just a lot of uh, a lot of housekeeping to do, just a lot of prep, it's all prep, but it's all worth it. Well, how many how many students do you guys have coming in there, or how many people? Yeah. Well, so last summer we had, I think, ten to twelve. I think one or two dropped out, which is kind of a con- that does happen time to time. Is you sure. know, we do demand a lot from them throughout sure. the week. I mean, they have to participate in a pretty intense movement sessions. We take them through in probably about an hour, an hour and a half maybe even two hours of, you know, regressions, regressions of, you know, linear speed, multi-directional, you know, D-cell work. And they go through a lot, you know, it's physical, physically tiring. They have their own job as they do. And they're coaching with us throughout the whole day. And, you know, sometimes they figure out that, you know, this is not for me or, you know, I got hurt or I don't want to get hurt. or They just figure out that it's not for them. But it's fine. You know, we don't want people – I feel like they were stuck there. Right. 
You know, it's just, this is, yeah, it's just, this is their time. You know, they're dedicating their time, trusting us to help reach whatever goal that may be. So, you know, usually it's, it's always on good mutual terms when they leave. It's nothing to be sad about. So for the most part, are these people that are looking to get into the, the industry that are already in college or are these people, um, are the athletes working with other A athletes? Lot of them, so it comes from like, they literally, they come from all backgrounds. I know okay. uh, for this upcoming one, we have a few collegiate athletes that played uh, college football um, in other states. Some are just finishing up school or just finished uh, their undergrad. Some are during are doing grad school. And a lot of them have like, you know, still part-time work, obviously, unless, you know, they're fortunate and don't have to work. But um, a lot of them have, they're just trying to figure out, you know, I guess their purpose, you know, what's their why kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, where, they, where do they want to fit in this field? You know, is it personal training? Is it even something related to fitness or is it... A lot of them, you'll find out a year or two later that they're in sales, which is nothing wrong with sales. Just, you know, right. You have a degree and, you know, it doesn't turn out to be what it is, but that's why internships are great. I try well, to push yeah. that on every young person. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you're in this industry and you don't have a passion for it, you don't have a passion for it and you don't find that out until you're five years in and you're miserable and the people you work with can see that, that's that's right. That's not a good buy-in <laughs> to yeah. go back to. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, casual about it, but it just is what it is. Some people just aren't cut out for it, even though they, they like the science behind it or they like the idea of owning their own schedule and building their own own business and stuff. There's some people just aren't cut out for, you know, being up at four in the morning it, and yeah. work until eight eight nine p.m. at night. It's just not not for everybody. No. Yeah, a lot of times, the uh, we'll get kids, you know. A lot of them, you know, they work hard and sometimes you'll get this vibe that or you get to determine which kids actually get it in terms of being coachable or don't get it being coachable. You know, if, if the coaches can't be coachable, then they're never going to grow. You know, coaches have to be always ready to learn. You know, trainers or coaches, you always got to be learning, try to learn new things every day and implement it, fail, learn from it, move on. And sometimes, you know, we'll get people that are stuck in they're thinking of program design principles. Oh, this is what worked for me, my client. And then we show them something a little different and they get a little defensive. And that's where, you know, sometimes right. people figure out, oh, this isn't for me. You know, I got to do something different. But it's all good in the end, you know. We're not going to hear, we're not going to change or convert 100% of our interns into high-level strength coaches, but we have the goal of doing it. But we got to be a little risk realistic with our expectations. Well, I think if you, I think if you set that goal of a hundred percent, that'll help you weed out the people who should be there and shouldn't be there. You know, it's not about, no, exactly. sometimes it's not even a matter of people who, who uh, want to be there. The people who want to be, there. there's a lot of people who want to do a lot of things, but either you're cut out for it, or you're not cut out for it. So we can't, you know, pat everybody in the back and say, oh, you know, better luck next time. But sometimes it's like just a reality check. Like, Hey guys, <laughs> this yeah. might not be for you. And uh, this was a, a reality check now. So you're not 10 years into it and you, you hate your life. Or you're making somebody else's life right. measurable. So, yeah, man. No, you're right. I mean, when I was a physical therapy aide, um, there's about five of us, and pretty sure only two of them actually went to physical therapy school. You know, I stayed in contact with all of them, and other two, I forget what they're doing. They're not doing anything with Kenise, uh, and you know, I went a different route. And sometimes you just realize, oh, this isn't for me. 
but that's okay. Yeah, it is okay, definitely, especially in this kind of industry. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I put maybe I put it on too much of a pedestal, or think it's like a unique snowflake or something. But I'm sure it's like that in any industry where, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like if if you're a salesperson yeah. and you want to be the best salesperson you could possibly possibly be, you don't want like a a hack next to you, or somebody who's just dragging dragging yeah. the team down. Not even a hack, but somebody who's dragging the team down, and all you hear out of their mouth is just negative stuff about what you're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to accomplish isn't working because of X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, the, the payout, right, right. The, you know, maybe the payout's not what they expected it to be, you know, all the hard work. It's not, and I'm starting to get a little, <laughs> maybe a little bitter because I've heard it before from, from, from some people, but <laughs> you know, it just, it comes with the territory, I guess. But, well, Hey man, yeah, definitely. I, it does. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a big day ahead of you, a long day ahead of you. And uh, if people want to reach out and ask you more questions, where's the best way to get hold of you? So probably the two best places to get a hold of me is my Instagram. My Instagram name is Coach Matt Camargo. And then my email is Matt at prosportpt.com. All right, Matt. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks again, Eric. <laughs>